I am limited. I push myself really hard, but I can't skate every day. I, you know, I see my kids, they progress really quickly. I'm just not going to be able to progress as quickly. So I have to, I have to remind myself if I'm not getting my tricks, I have to not be so hard on myself. So about a year ago, I came across a TikTok account of a woman in a sari doing some amazing tricks on a skateboard and I was intrigued. And after a year, we finally made it happen. I have got Orbi Roy on my podcast. She is a Toronto-based entrepreneur. She's a brand manager, content creator, marketer, designer, programmer, public speaker, philanthropist, and of course, a skateboarder. She has about 150,000 subscribers on TikTok, where she verified. She now hosts like major sponsored skateboarding events, sponsored by brands like Madison Skateboard. And in today's episode, we delve into what drove her at the age of 43 to decide to get on a skateboard. We talk about living a purpose-driven life. We talk about failure, shame, and how she felt when she walked away from Wall Street yet had this background of having immigrant parents who put a line into her. We talk about parenting, how her kids actually see her as cool mom. Can you imagine that? Being in the 50s, your kids see you as a cool mom. Talk about how she actually managed to do that. We talk about the importance of your kids seeing you fail, as well as the do as I say and do as I do, and why that makes an absolute difference to your parenting. We talk about the auntie trope, how that is in so many different cultures, but also around the intergenerational curse and bitterness linked to that. Talk about having the weight on your shoulders and why it's important to take a break, why it's never too late. But most importantly, we talk about being authentic and being an everyday leader. Let's delve into the episode with Orbi Roy. It's an absolute pleasure to, to have you on the platform to have a conversation with you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be able to to talk to you today and uh, looking forward to the next hour. And I always like to go way back. So let's go back to a younger teenager, Ruby. On the come up, what were your aspirations or your dreams, if you had any at that point in time? Well, I was growing up in uh, New Jersey at the time, and uh, I was a, a bit of a goofy, wild kid, uh, which I fully leaned into. I embraced my weirdness and I wanted to be an architect. I thought that brought together the technical side of my brain with the creative side of my brain really well. And that was kind of what I aspired to be. I applied to all architecture schools. Unfortunately, I, or fortunately, I don't know, I'm happy with the path I've taken, but I met a curmudgeon drunk architect who persuaded me not to go into architecture. And so at the last minute, <laughs> I, I bailed and I didn't go into architecture. How? He was really convincing. <laughs> 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 and I was young and impressionable. And, you know, I just, I, I think that was the last time I made that mistake <laughs> of just listening to a, a, an old drunk fool who was obviously very bitter in his career and kind of dumped it. Uh, on me. But listen, you know, I, I have no regrets, so it's okay. <laughs> what did your parents say when you decided to pivot careers at that last minute? I think they were probably relieved because I ended up going to a state school. <laughs> so all of the private schools that I applied for were way more expensive than the school I went to. All jokes aside, I think they were surprised. They were surprised at how quickly I pivoted from, away from architecture because I had wanted to do that for so long, but they supported my decision. So how did you then, what was the decision behind going into computer science? Well, that would be my mom. So I am a South Asian and uh, us South Asians are often gently guided, shall we say, <laughs> <laughs> into <laughs> technical fields, doctor, engineering. And uh, my mom said, look, if you go into computer science, you can always get a job. And if whatever you do in the future, I think they kind of knew that, I, you know, I said I was a wild child, right? So they probably knew I was all over the place. 
But her feeling was if I went into computer science, I'd always have something to fall back on. And so that's why I went into computer science. There's literally no other reason. I was easily swayed as a child. <laughs> well, then you actually ran with it because you're, you're working on Wall Street, weren't you? Yeah, I really ran with it. I think that's a nice way to put it. And I think, so I, I, after I graduated, it took me some time to graduate. After I graduated, I worked at Bell Labs. I was very fortunate to work there. And then I worked in dot-com until that busted. And after that, I went to Wall Street Every job I took, I was getting more money and it was very exciting. My parents were super proud of me. But then I, I think at, as a young person in your 20s and you're making so much money and you've got so many fun projects and you're working on Wall Street, it is it could be a pinnacle of your career. And, and maybe it was a pinnacle of that career. But um, I was also one of 20, you know, one one woman in a group of 20 men, I was being sexually harassed. You know, nobody spoke to me. People were pretty mean to me. And I was very unhappy. And I said, why am I doing this? You know, why am I living this life of maybe what I think is supposed to be successful? You know, you're, you're always on a journey. But I think even when you're younger, you, you look to other people's definition of success. And when I took a step back, I said, this is not my definition of success. I am miserable. I remember going downstairs. This was after 9-11. So I think that probably, you know, motivated me to make some changes in my life. I went downstairs and I called my dad and I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm very unhappy. And you know what they said? My parents said, okay, we support you. I think because... I had done the thing they asked me to do, which is I had gone into computer science, and now they knew that I always had computer science to fall back on. So they were going to support whatever decision I made after that. Yay. <laughs> That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, when you think about your parents and the lessons that they, they taught you over the years, especially being immigrant parents, what are like the one or two things that really stuck with you that have helped you navigate over the years? I think that, you know, because of their incredible support, I've been able to take a lot of really big risks, and I really appreciate that. Um, but I think, you know, when my parents came to this country as immigrants, they had nobody to fall back on, no one's support, really. They were coming to the U.S., and they had to make it work. And I think that's a lesson learned, right? Don't take anything that you have for granted, you know, I saw them really struggling for many years. And so I appreciate everything that I get, every moment or everything that I earn, I appreciate it. So that's one lesson I take, and I'm grateful for it. And I think another thing is, <laughs> I'm still learning this one, is um, to not be so hard on myself. Uh, I think that that's another thing as an immigrant's child, you look at your parents sacrificing so much and you end up putting a lot of that pressure on yourself or maybe that comes from your parents or outside sources. And this was something my dad would tell me all the time is like, you need to chill, <laughs> like stop, stop looking at everything you're doing as a failure and look at it as a step in your journey towards success, which I didn't really get until I started skateboarding. <laughs> when he said that to you, and I'll just go way back to when you decided to make that decision to quit, did any part of you, despite how unhappy you felt, feel like you owed it to your parents and the background and the struggles they've had, or even that feeling of, if I quit, I'm going to look and feel like a failure? Did all that play a part in your thought process? Yes, I think that's a great question. And I think that if I didn't go through those feelings, I probably would have quit much sooner than I did. I really tried to make things work. I tried. I, I'm just trying to go back there. It was over 20 years ago. I'm trying to go back to that person I was. I had rent to pay. <laughs> There's a lot of life stuff going on too. Uh, and I tried, you know, and I thought maybe I'll find another job. But ultimately it was, you know, the reason why I went into architecture in the first place is that I'm not a purely technical person, is that I have to have creativity in my life. These are kinds of the things that led me to want to live a purpose-driven life is that I knew that I needed to bring joy to other people or um, bring beauty into the world. And those were things that were not in my life then. And I think that my parents, when I told them Yes, they were not surprised. I was surprised at how not surprised they were. 
<laughs> but they didn't want me to be miserable, right? They That's what they said. They're like, well, we don't want you to be miserable. You're an adult now. You get to make your own decisions. <laughs> and I did feel like I was disappointing them 100%. I was walking away from a job on Wall Street at 25 years old. I was walking away from shares from a company. And then I was like, I'm going to be an artist now. You know, I, obviously, I was I was a little bit worried about it. However, having said that, I'm no fool. I still had to pay my rent. And so I did freelance computer work while I was establishing other things. And so that was my mom's advice coming back to me, which is I always had that to fall back on. And so I think because I did that, my parents were like, cool, whatever you want to do, we're going to support you. As you moved into that next phase of, I guess, what's defined in the last 20 years of purpose, living a purpose-driven life, how did that unfold for you? It unfolded in so many different ways. And I think that it goes back to life being a journey. You know, in my 20s, I really did want to find success by making money and furthering my computer career. And then in my 30s, it was about being an entrepreneur and helping people in India. You know, my family is from Calcutta. I really loved the art that came out of that part of the world. And I wanted to bring new life to that. And so I started doing a lot of alpana, which is a, a circular drawing like mandalas. And uh, I started putting that on home furnishings. And um, it was great. It was so great. It was such a wonderful feeling to go there and work with people and work on a craft. And there were these women that I worked with and they came from a very poor part of the city and they, we made blankets together, like these quilts. And they would make these blankets in secret because they didn't want their husbands to know they were making these blankets. You know, the money, they spent their money not on themselves. Out of the 20 women, I think only one woman spent the money on herself. Everybody else spent it on getting their kids to go to school or buying their mother glasses or taking their child to see their mother for the first time. And to be a part of that was, you know, something clicked in me. Working with people, it clicked, right? giving people opportunities or bringing people joy, that feeling, you know, for me in my 30s was success. So it's amazing how when you step into the authenticity of who you are, you have an impact on other people because you making that decision actually flowed into making a difference in those women's lives and making a difference to the lives of their kids and the wider kind of the multiplier effect that goes into that. But a lot of times just start with us as individuals being willing to be courageous and step into those feelings of fear, failure, and all those different things and navigate that, isn't it? Yes, I, I think that, as I said before, I think being able to step into those things is because I had so much support from my parents. But you don't really realize the impact you have on other people. You know, you're just out there living your own life or you're trying to to put some good in the world. This was such a wonderful thing because I was able to see directly how their lives changed, which is not often, but it's special. It's a special thing. The amount of work that I brought people there, it kept people fed and housed for, you know, years, right? And then to be able to pass that on to the people who purchased the products, and I would tell everybody the story. This person, this is, you know, the person that made this, this is what they did with the money. And so then everybody feels like they have a piece of making a change. And I, I remember Oprah said something, this was 20 years ago. She said, you know, everybody can make, I can't remember exactly what it was, but you can do change on your level. Everything counts. You can't be on a grand scale like Oprah, right? But you can make small changes in the world and change people's lives on a smaller scale and still make a, a difference, make an impact. And that really stuck with me. I think she was opening a school up the time. I'm not going to be able to open up a school, but I can keep a few women employed for a little bit of time, right? And that was That's something special. How do you know what your purpose is? I don't know. I think it changes. You know, I think sometimes things come up and they, they really something hits me. Maybe I'm, I'm an empathetic person. There was a time, I think it was five or six years ago, Justin Trudeau had just become prime minister of Canada. And this was when, uh, you know, he committed to bringing 25,000 refugees over from Syria. And 
the families were quite large and they came over quite quickly. And so a grassroots organization formed here in Toronto. And I was working for my husband's food company at the time. We sell rice, beans, lentils, oil, you know, all the basic staples of that region. And I said, oh, I can probably give them food. So I think sometimes these things connect, right? It's just something clicks in your head that I can make a change on the, on some level and help these families. So that was a purpose that I felt then is that I wanted to help these people and I, I gave them food and uh, maybe made their lives a little bit easier for a little bit. Does it ever get easier stepping into a new venture? Because a lot of times, okay, people say a lot of times like, oh, you've done this before, you've done it in the past, it should be a little so much easier. You should, you should be down for this. So someone who's done it multiple times, what's your response to that? Well, I will say I'm getting older tired (laughs) because i know now i know before you have you know the youth on your side and uh, the unknown you're like i'm gonna go into this and and just jump in head first but now i'm like slowly dipping in because i know like my body hurts right i'm like oh i'm gonna just take my time on this so i you know on one side i'm a little bit more cautious but I think that this is where skateboarding comes in. And when you start skateboarding, you're not going to be a pro skateboarder, right? You really have to put in the work and you have to start at the basics, but that doesn't make you less of a skateboarder, right? And and it's just part of the journey. The first year I skated, I fell all the time, right? And I think that that taught me so much. Falling is not failure, it's part of the journey. This is something my dad had been trying to tell me for decades, right? So I think the fact that, yes, age, but also skateboarding has helped me really understand life a little bit better, go easier on myself, and, you know, I can take that purpose-driven desire that I had for my 20s and not be so intense about it. if that makes sense. And so right now what I'm doing is, you know, yes, I'm having fun and I'm skateboarding, but it's that moment, there's again something that clicked with me, which is I found so much joy from skateboarding. And I want to share that with as many people as possible. And kind of that's kind of my purpose now is that I want to get as many people, adults on a board as possible because it's brought me so much joy. And I think adults forget how to play. And, you know, when you have that drive naturally, you know, you have, I have this feeling inside me that I want to bring joy to people. I want them to find their own joy. To answer your question, you know, I think that this new venture is, it has my full heart, right? So it's not work, right? You started skateboarding at 43. What was the hardest thing for you? Was it the actual starting and learning? Was it the, or was it the, I'm going to say the perceptions, the words, the language, the stares, the looks from people looking at this four to three year old woman on a skateboard? Like which one was the hardest thing for you? I think that I'm older now, but at 43, I really didn't care what people thought of me. You know, that's kind of something that comes with age. I I was like, I don't care. I'm out here. I'll give you an example. I went to a skate park and I was with my family. And yes, having my family there helps, right? I'm not going to a skate park by myself when it's really busy. I went in the morning. There weren't a lot of people there. I was there with my family. And this mom was sitting there on the edge with her son scootering. And she saw me pad up and she starts laughing and takes out her phone. She's like, this is going to be funny. Fine, whatever. I'm out there living my best life. I fall a lot, whatever, having good, but I'm having fun with my kids. Yeah, I I might've hurt myself a little bit that day, but I was having fun. Anyway, at the end of the session, I had completely forgotten her, to be honest. And she came up to me and she said, I just want to apologize. And I was like, I don't know who this person is. And then I remembered from the beginning, she was laughing at me. She said, I thought it was so funny. I was like, look at this loser mom out there trying to skateboard and keep up with her kids. And she said, and then at some point while I'm still sitting here, I realized, oh, I'm the loser mom who's sitting here watching my kid have fun while you're out there living your best life. And so that happened very early when I started. And I think that I I remind myself of that all the time. So that hasn't been very difficult for me. I think the difficulty has been 
just managing my own expectations. You know, I have no regrets. Yes, sure, I could have started earlier if I'd started when I was 33, but I also could have had an injury that would have stopped me forever. Or on the flip side, I'm just grateful I started at all. I could have at 43 just decided not to start skating and that would have been fine too. So I'm grateful I started skating. But having said that, I am limited. I push myself really hard, but I can't skate every day. I, you know, I see my kids, they progress really quickly. I'm just not going to be able to progress as quickly. I have to remind myself if I'm not getting my tricks, I have to not be so hard on myself and remind myself it's part of the journey. So I think that was the hardest thing from the beginning and it continues to be the hardest thing for me. There's a life metaphor there too, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) There is, but I think when I think about when I hear that, I go back to what you define as your purpose, which is about inspiring people, making people happy, making people know that it's possible. And you are doing that. I mean, with, uh, I mean, you're verified on TikTok with hundreds of thousands of followers. You're inspiring people from all around the world to get involved with skating, but more importantly, spend time with, with their kids. So when it comes to your true purpose, are you living that out? You're executing that, which is in itself alone is massive, let alone everything else that comes with the tricks and flips and the pain <laughs> <laughs> that comes with learning how to skate. And I was, um, curious actually. When it comes to doing things like this with your kids, it can either go one of two ways. They can be really, really down for it, which your kids seem to be, or they can be like, Ooh, we don't want that because that's our, that's our parents out there in our, in our space. So what's the, what's the trick? How did you get your kids to be so supportive of this? Yeah. I, I want to just say something about the first part of what you said about making a change in people's lives. And I'm out here doing it. And I'm so grateful that I'm making that impact on people and, I want to just mention something that my dad had said to me and that I always keep very close to me, which is he was a career man. He worked at Bell Labs and he was going up. Eventually he hit a glass ceiling and he realized he's like, okay, a lesser man might've just said, this is the end of my career. But for him, he, he turned it around and he said, this is the point in my life where I'm going to share my knowledge and I'm going to build people up. And so he, he chose people in his lab, people of color, and he gave them chances that nobody else was going to give them. And he mentored them and he really pushed them hard and he made an impact on their lives. And that impact you can still see to this day. And so that was just something I wanted to mention about the first part of what you said is that, that even, you know, he passed away last May And at the end of his life, that was his, for him, he said, yeah, I did a lot of great stuff at Bell Labs. And he did, he did some serious development work there, but his greatest success was the people's lives that he changed. So yeah, that, that's just something I wanted to mention is the first part of what you said, because it kind of uh, struck something in me. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then the second part of what you said about my kids it's it's quite funny because uh, my daughter was being interviewed for this is NBC's Today show. She was being interviewed, uh, which was really cool, by the way. And they asked her if she felt embarrassed by her mom skateboarding. And she said, you know what? Until recently, I thought all parents just started learning how to skateboard with their kids. She said, I didn't realize that other parents didn't do that, which I thought was so cool. I thought that was such a sweet response. And she said, and now I realize how cool my mom really is for taking this huge risk of coming out there and skateboarding with us just so she could spend time with us. I think that <laughs> they've always been proud of me, even before I started my TikTok channel. We were in the airport a couple of days ago and somebody recognized me. I was walking with my son and somebody came up to me and recognized me. And uh, people at school are like, wow, how does it feel to have a verified mom? So they think it's pretty cool. My daughter this morning was like, no, ma, don't put that TikTok up. The trend is gone. Ugh, It's too late. But in general, they're so stoked to have this opportunity to just hang out with me. And I don't think that I've ever embarrassed them. Although I do try. Sometimes just, you know, shh. <laughs> Just you know, part of your job. Yeah, it's part of our job, really. <laughs> so I do make a lot of effort to embarrass them, but uh, in general, they're not embarrassed. They're really proud of me. I think that they've also seen how hard I work and how much I push myself. And by the way, I do a lot of parenting at the skate park as well. I got to, you know, 
I got to multitask because <laughs> I'm a mom, I'm busy, I work. So every time they see me fall, they see me get back up. So they don't even understand what it means to give up, right? Every time somebody new comes to the skate park and they're a little bit nervous, I walk up to them. And now I see my kids do that too, you know, so sh- showing compassion. And if I don't get a trick right away and I, it takes me a long time, I don't give up on myself. So that shows perseverance, right? I'm doing a lot of parenting through skateboarding. So, you know, I don't yell at them that much at the skate park. Maybe that embarrasses them. But I'm also seeing them turn into these amazing young children, young kids that they're confident and they're strong and they're kind and compassionate and all these wonderful things are happening at the skate park. There's no room for embarrassment. (laughs) A little bit, a little bit. There's something powerful in being able to model a lot of behaviors to your children without having to have the conversation or they already know you're doing that and they can see you doing that in your life. So if the conversation comes up, you can always point to yourself. You know, I remember I had something similar with, with my kids uh, when I took on like a boxing thing for charity. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get knocked out in front of a lot of people. But <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, I'm, I just need to do this. And thank God I did it. And it was great. Amazing. But even that, I've been able to step into that and tell my kids, like, I'm, I'm scared to do this. Like, this is something I've never done before. But it's something that I felt I wanted to do. But more importantly, I want to model that for your for your kids, stepping outside your confidence. And so doing that on a regular basis is really, really important. So, and even hearing you talk about how your kids are seeing that and they now flow that into other people in their own areas. It's that flow through that, similar to what your dad did. And then you've taken that mantle and you're doing that in your way. And now your kids are doing it in their own way as well. So that's really, really good. Yeah. It's very nice to see. And I think that you mentioned something about your kids seeing you being afraid and going, getting through that. You know, life is not always success and roses and rainbows and unicorns, right? It's sometimes a struggle. And your kids need to see you going through the struggle. And they need to see how you get through the struggle. And that's, that's going to help them, right? That's part of raising them. It's not uh, do what I say, not what I do. It's uh, do what I say and what I do. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to um, ask you about one of your characters that you had, the auntie character. But before that, you, I came from your improv days. When did you do improv? <laughs> so when I first moved to Toronto, this was in 2007. So I married a Canadian and moved up to Montreal, which is where he's from. And then somewhere along the line, moved to Toronto. And my husband and I said, this is where we're going to live. You know, Toronto is where we're going to settle. So I wanted to make some friends. And I was like, that sounds like a place that I can make friends. So I went to improv and, and made some great friends. So the auntie character, it's a bit complicated. First of all, the accent is my family's accent, right? So that accent is something that I grew up with and it's part of my family. And um, that's been there the whole time. So it was kind of easy to step into that, right? And then I think the next part of your question was going to be about, well, I'll let you ask it instead of answering. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Hey, keep on going. I'm, I'm done with this. I'll be like, here all night. I see, in fact, I, I want to see what you thought was going to ask. So I'm kidding. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> nah, but you know what? It, interesting thing is maybe it's because I'm grew up in, in, in the UK, grew up in London. I'm used to it. But I as soon as I heard the aunt character, I recognized it. I reckon I I went straight to before I was like what it could be like the, the caricature kind of stuff, because we also have that in in oh, I'm Nigerian, so we have that in, in our society as well. But I think it was the the way that you kind of turned it around on itself, that's what I really um, found fascinating and it was a different take and spin on it. And so for those who don't know and understand what the auntie character is, can you break that down? Sure, sure. Okay, so that was the question. All right, I do. I, I knew that was question you wanted. So I thought, I, I'll give that one. I'll give that one out. I'll give that one out. <laughs> Uh, it's because we're all so triggered by auntie. That's why I knew your question. I could see it in your eyes, the fear. Oh my God, auntie, she's coming. No, sorry. <laughs> anyway, to answer your question. So the the 
Auntie is a trope in many, many cultures, right? It's the person who judges you. It's a toxic person who says, you know, why aren't you married yet? Or, or, or why aren't you a doctor? Why don't you marry a doctor? It's the person that kind of holds all of your society standards right in front of you, right? And judges you for it, for not f- fulfilling those things. And we all grew up with it, right? It may not be an auntie. It could be something else in another culture. I was on Instagram and I was following a lot of South Asian young women and I saw that the auntie person was still something that was causing so many people grief. And man, that made me sad. It really made me sad. And I I was like, I love being an aunt. I love my nieces and nephews, man. They will tell you I'm an award-winning snow fort builder. I, you know, I will be out there building snow forts for them while they're not even awake yet, right? I've got like architecture plans laid out for these snow forts that I built. But apparently aunties are still a, a thing. So I said, well, I'm an auntie. Why don't I, why don't I be the person that flips the script on this auntie thing? I'm going to be the person that builds you up and doesn't bring you down. And so that was kind of the root of, you know, why I came up with auntie because auntie is such a toxic and listen, I think that there's reasons for that, which we can go really in depth on, uh, you know, that would be in maybe another podcast is about the uh, why they became like this, why be- they became bitter. It's because they had toxic aunties in their life. They had all these pressures from society. They had to get married. They couldn't go to work. And there was all these issues. And so maybe there's some bitterness there, right, that they had to make so many sacrifices. And now here they are watching these young people, young women not making those same sacrifices. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. I made these sacrifices. You have to make these sacrifices, too, which I think when you start to understand that that's the reasoning behind it, that's the intergenerational trauma that you have to choose to break. So I I think understanding where they're coming from and that that's how they become toxic is you know, I know that that wasn't your original question, but I meander. I think understanding where they're coming from, it helps your own journey and it helps kind of break down those that trauma or make a joke of it. I don't know. <laughs> now, I think it's a, it's a really important issue that you kind of raised up there, recognizing the why, the why behind why those people are. Because a lot of times it's when you get that bitterness from other people who are supposed to be your family, who are supposed to care about you. It's like, but I haven't done anything. Like, why am I, why am I catching straight bullets <laughs> for no reason? Sometimes just saying hello. And I'm, and so even just recognizing that yeah. that's that person's bitterness and sometimes it's the lack of them not being able to achieve certain things. And that can then turn into jealousy when they see you doing certain things and they find any way, shape or form to kind of tear you down. It's just, it's sad and it's unfortunate. And there's so much, like you said, generational things linked to that. But now it becomes, well, you also have an opportunity and a chance to actually turn that around and do something different rather than keep that generational curse going. You can actually break those boundaries and, and start to create and build something new for the next generation coming up. How would you define yourself now, I mean, at the start, I read out a number of different accolades and credits to, to your name. But how would you define yourself? I'm trying to find that answer now because I lost my father, you know, in the last year. I do feel a little bit lost sometimes because he was my mentor and my best friend and uh, uh, such a guide. So I, I think uh, it, the question is, is something that I ask myself very often recently because of that. And I think I have to step into something different because I don't have him there, right? So, so th- there's, there is the loss, but there's also an opportunity to take all the things that he taught me, right? Which throughout this podcast interview, I've talked about, right? All the things that he's taught me, right? So it's always there. And I think I'm just trying to define myself. I know that these things are true. I know that money and power does not bring me joy, It is not my definition of success. I know those things. I know that family and skateboarding, really. I mean, I love skateboarding. I genuinely love it. But there's a reason why I love it so much. It's because it brings me so much pure joy. And I think that people forget to do that. 
myself included. I think that I spent a lot of time in the last few decades trying to prove something to myself. And that's great. That's part of my journey. I, I have no regrets. But now I don't really feel I have to prove anything to myself anymore. And that is, it's just been such a weight lifted off my shoulders. I think that this is something that everybody goes through. Maybe it's called the midlife crisis. I don't know. Maybe it comes after the midlife crisis. You know, the midlife crisis is trying to find yourself. And then afterwards, you're like, yeah, I found myself and I'm cool. Like, this is good. So right now, I am, I really want to share this joy that I have because I've struggled a lot in my life, just personal things. I had a lot of really terrible relationships. I struggled in school, you know, and the sexual harassment things I was talking about. So so there's been a lot of struggles in my life and I've gotten through all of them. And I see that there's a lot of people out there that are struggling. And I think that skateboarding for me has helped me so much in getting over, well, the loss of my father, it's been very helpful for me, right? It's been great for my mental health. It's given me the sense of purpose, and I want to share that with people. And I think that's where I'm at at this stage of my life. I really, really want to get as many people out there. Okay, it doesn't have to be skateboarding. It could be roller skating. It could be zip lining. It could be surfing. It could be whatever it is, DJing, whatever it is that you always wanted to do, that thing that you always wanted. I want to help people get there. Because that feeling of pure joy, it matters, you know, it means something. We all deserve it, right? Uh, it doesn't matter what stage of our lives we're at, we all deserve that. And I think that, I don't know, adults get so, oh my God, this morning I was talking to my husband, I was like, the dishwasher's not working, the heat's not working, the washing machine's not working, but you know what I'm going to do after this call? I'm going to go and skate my ramp, right? That's what I'm going to do because that's what brings me joy. So that's kind of, to answer your question, that's uh, what I see myself as somebody who wants to to spread joy and positivity. The reason why I'm pausing is at the start of you answering that question, you said you're still trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. And the way that you ended that and listening to you, everything you kind of said so far, it sounds like you've, you have got it figured out in the sense of actually I'm here. It's all about helping people find their joy and tap into that side of things because we can get so bogged down in the seriousness of life. And I, this might be me projecting, but I think sometimes we can think we need to have this big, massive destination as to what that looks like, but actually at one thing I've definitely discovered for years, it's more, as long as we have a direction, things kind of unfold and things open up. And you definitely have that direction because you're spreading the joy and that's expanding from you wanting to do them, be something, do be with your kids and be with your family and not be excluded to putting that on TikTok to now, I think you do like sponsored skateboard like tournaments and events and events and all that. So you're already expanding what that looks like. Well, you're expanding that joy and it is a, it's a direction and it's doing exactly what you said you wanted to do, which is, which is that purpose driven life. But more importantly for me, which I, why I really love listening to you talk, it links into your dad and his journey as well. And that for me is, especially how much you've talked about him and the love that I can hear coming and the lessons that he's taught you to be able to keep that legacy going in your own way. It sounds like you know what you're doing. And this is, if this is a definition of midlife crisis, I think everyone needs to get involved. <laughs> I appreciate that, that you said that so much. And I think we can call upon my dad again to say, even the way I answered your question, I was putting, uh, you know, putting too much pressure on myself in the beginning when you asked that question. And I just need to chill. So I was kind of processing that as I went through that last answer. And I appreciate that you... 100% caught that and um, <laughs> and then called me out on it. That was fantastic, by the way. Um, thank you. By God. Yes. You're right. I, I think that I do know my journey and, I, and I'm happy with it. And I think I'm, I'm kind of trying to find the path of how I'm going to do that. And you said something that, that 
that meant so much to me, which is that it unfolds, you know, it's, it's unfolding in front of you. I think that that's something I didn't understand in the past is sometimes I would try to force things and that's not what I'm doing this time. I'm letting things unfold a little bit more, which I don't think I realize until you just said it. That's pretty cool. That's a pretty cool way to go about it. So what I'm seeing now is this opportunity to do courses. So to do online courses, because I have this global audience and there's so many people out there because my joy is 100% genuine. What you see on TikTok and Instagram, that's that's me, you know, uh, except I curse a lot more in real life, which I try to filter out. I think that joy, I think there's a lot of people out there that are like, hey, I want some of that joy. And so I want to start sharing that and spreading that joy, you know, in a more formal way. So I'm starting to get courses together, online courses, and I'm going to start offering these courses, just the very basics, right? I'm not a pro skater, and I'm not going to teach you pro skater skills. I'm going to teach you how to get on a skateboard as a 40-something-year-old woman. There's a lot of adults who want to learn how to skate. And my TikToks and my Instagram isn't enough. So I want to offer courses and that's what I'm going to do next. And this is, you know, a lot of people have asked for it. So just the basics, what kind of safety gear to use, uh, how to even step on a board without, you know, falling on your face or breaking a wrist, you know, how to get over your fears as an adult, because you still have to work, you still have to cook, you still have to be a parent. Uh, So just, you know, that how to meditate, how to do all of these things to get on a skateboard and give people the tools, not just tell people you have to go out there and live your best life, but give them the tools to go out there and live their best life if skateboarding is for them, right? So that's kind of what's unfolding in the next little while, which I'm really, really excited about. I'm excited to to see that journey unfold. There's some, some major principles for life. I think people need to hear and really, really tap into and there's something that you said earlier on where you talked about, you no longer have this weight on your shoulders and you kind of let that go. I was curious to when did you let that go? And what was it that allowed you to be able to do that? Well, I was working for my husband's company and it's a family business and uh, it's his family business. And um, that can get complicated sometimes if you're a wife coming into a family business. <laughs> And I had some goals that I wanted to achieve at that company, and I was fortunate to have the the forum to do that, right? I think once I did that, and then I stepped away from the company because of COVID, and I, I you know, my par- my kids needed me, right? So my husband wasn't going to leave his job because it's his business, so I stepped away. I don't know. Again, it was my dad. He's like, you are allowed to take a break. Just take a real break because you've been working since you were 17 years old. Just take a break. So it was those two things, leaving that job and then somebody had to give me permission to take a break. If there's anyone listening here that needs to take a break, I'm giving you permission to take a real break because I think we need that. We need somebody to tell us it's okay. And so when I did that, I was able to kind of just step back and that's when I started the Auntie Skates account. It was just a really dark time for COVID lockdowns. And it was February in Canada, which means no vitamin D. Everybody was depressed. And I started this account and it started taking off. And I was like, look at that. And so for some reason, like that just brought just the weight just lifted off my shoulders. Like I just got to be myself and don't have to try so hard. <laughs> It made me feel like maybe I'd found the right, I wouldn't say the right, the purpose in my life because I think everything that I've done has been with purpose, but something clicked. Again, it's something that clicked. That's something that happened a few times in my career. So again, something clicked. It's amazing what happens when we take a step back from the business of life and how much we begin to see was in front of us that we didn't really see before. And you know, with the world where it's like, be busy, be busy, busy, keep on going, keep on going, keep on going. It's so hard to be able to do that. And like you said, a lot of times people need that permission from those that are around them to let them know that it's, this is okay. And your dad is able to give you that and see what unfolded from that. Yeah. And I think that you're right. We, we do need that sometimes in our life. Um, just the opportunity to step back. And I realized how incredibly tired I was. 
I had been on the go for decades, right? Fortunately, I had the luxury to take that break. I know not everybody's able to take it, but I, I, I do want to acknowledge my husband for saying, yeah, take that break. <laughs> you really need that break. <laughs> Please, God, take the break. But I, I think we, you know, even if you can't do it on a large scale, you can still do it on a small scale. That could be in the form of meditation. You know, I often meditate uh, just to reset myself, right? Or you can go out for a skate or something with your family. There, there can be something in your, you know, in your day or some moment that where you can just reset and give yourself permission to take a step back. Before skateboarding, was there any other sports that you were into or that you were actively into over the years? Yeah, before skateboarding, I was a power lifter. So I just lifted a lot of weights and I was like, oh, let's see how much more I could lift. And that was fun. I, I sprained my ankle, so that stopped. But then before that, I wasn't very coordinated. I'm going to call my brother out on this one. So he said to me recently, and this was a compliment, and I took it as a compliment, but it was kind of, you know, wait, what? <laughs> he said, you know, Ruby, I remember you as a kid. You were not very athletic. I was athletic. You were not very athletic. And when I see you skateboarding now and how good you are, I realize how much work you put into it. And I was like, thanks. I guess that's, that is good. That is good. That's a compliment. That's a compliment. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's a compliment. Come on. Sure. I mean, the seven-year-old me was like, "Come at you! I'm going to get you." <laughs> I did take it as a compliment, so I, I think I wasn't as much into sports, you know. And I think that happens with a lot of young girls: is that when they kind of turn eleven or twelve, they stop sports for a while. And so that's what, I, what happened to me. And I never really got back into sports. So skateboarding was really just, when I met my husband, he had sprained his ankle from skateboarding. And I was like, what? You did what? You're an adult and you're skateboarding? Are you like a pro skateboarder? He's like, no, I just like to skateboard. And I sprained my ankle. So at that moment, I was intrigued, but I thought it was too late for me. I was like, I'm in my 30s. What's the point? I'm not going to be very good. It's too late. So it, it was always in my mind and I would watch him skateboard. And I'd be like, what? That guy looks like he's having fun. His friends look like they're having fun. This looks addictive. Like why? I want to be a part of that. So there was always that, you know, throughout my thirties, I was doing improv and other stuff, but I was looking at the skateboarding like that kind of looks like something I want to do. So, so, you know, I think those two worlds came together when my kids finally started skateboarding. It wasn't a sudden aha moment. It was like a, oh yes. <laughs> This is my last <laughs> chance to get on a skateboard. If I don't do it now, I'll never do it, right? It was my last chance. So I was like, yeah, okay. You know, I took my husband's skateboard and took a lesson. But yeah, so it was a lot of roads leading up to that moment. You took about 11 or 12, you kind of, you took a break from sports. It's a 30 year break. We're still a brick. You came back to it. So I'm just, I'm just highlighting that there. You know what? Bricks don't always have to be short. They sometimes they can take a time. They can take some time. But as long as you get back into doing something, it's never too late to be able to do that. Yes. And actually, to further your point, I say this quite often. You know, I get a lot of people that say uh, they're not allowed to skateboard or their parents won't buy them a skateboard or somebody will say, you know, now it's not the right time for me to try this new thing, whatever it is that they want to do. And to that, I say... You know, everybody always tells you that life is short and it is life is short. But if you're lucky, life is also long. And if you can't do something at any given time, it doesn't mean you'll never be able to do it. It maybe it just didn't make sense for me to skateboard in my 30s. Right. You know, so to the people who say, oh, I wish I could try it, but there's all these limitations on me. Yeah. Okay. There might be limitations on you today, but not tomorrow or not later. You just keep it filed in the back of your head. Right. And it could come back to you and the opportunity could come and you take it when it comes. It's something that I've, I've, I've held true very often in my life. Right. When I had young kids, there were some things that I couldn't do. And I was like, well, that doesn't mean I'll never be able to do it. And then when I could, I did. There you go. Yeah. That's what it is. That's simple. It's overcomplicated. Yeah, all. exactly. <laughs> the question I always like to end with, and I'd be curious to hear your response. How do you define leadership? Well, I think leadership has a lot to do with inspiring people 
And there has to be this energy that you give off that makes people want to listen to what you have to say. And I think that that's something, you know, that kind of, I think that's something you're born with, you know, that, that part of leadership. But then it also takes training. You know, you have to be able to recognize things in people and build them up and see people's weaknesses and help them build that, that those strengths up too. So I think there's a combination of things. I see my son, for example, and he is a born leader. He has so much charisma and he works, but he works hard at it, right? He sets his mind to it and people want to follow him. And it's because they trust him. They trust the journey that he's going to take them on. And it's because he has faith in it. He's passionate about it. And I'd love to see that. I'd love to see the way he can organize games with 20 kids. I can't do that. It's because they trust him. That kid is going to take me on a good journey. I'm going to follow him. And I think that has a lot to do with it. So that's my definition of leadership. Although don't tell him I used him as an example because (laughs) (laughs) he'll use that (laughs) to somehow get out of doing chores. (laughs) That's That's a really powerful definition i think for me also speaks to what i was talking about at the start when i said for me when i saw what you were doing at that point to your story like your definition of what i described was never the leader it's just someone who can inspire other people to be able to do new things to just step outside of their comfort zone to be able to influence people both near and far but most importantly someone who does what they do authentically mm-hmm. Everything you, you shared today, the gems you shared from what your dad has taught you and the purpose that you are walking in, I just want to see flourish and I want to see you keep on inspiring more and more people. And I'm glad people have to delve more into your story, able to add all your bios and your links and all that kind of stuff in the show notes. And um, I'm sure there'll be a book coming out in a couple of years i'm sure you know i'm gonna put it out okay. there you know okay, I like Look, that. I'm, gonna, I'm gonna i'm gonna put it out there I like that. I like that. it's been put out now okay it's out there it's it's been put out there, you know i love that so when that, when that happens just, just come back and we're gonna have that conversation yes, about it i love that i love that yes i will promo yeah. my new book on your podcast in x number of it. years i love it thank you thank you so much <laughs> this has been such a a wonderful experience and I appreciate how in-depth we got on things and you really made me think about about some things that I didn't think about and I appreciate that so much. That's absolutely my pleasure. I've loved it and it's the leadership. We'll see you next week. <laughs>